it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Apple Podcast compatibility new with PW Torch VIP Podcasts in 2021. If you're an iPhone user and you want a simple way to access our full VIP Podcast library as new podcasts come out every day, we have good news. New in 2021, single-click compatibility with Apple Podcasts' native app on iPhone, CarPlay, your iMac, or your MacBook Pro laptop. Now, as soon as you sign up and become a VIP member, there's a single-click link in your sign-up email that will launch PW Torch's VIP Podcasts in Apple Podcasts. Podcast. No username, no password to enter. It's as simple as it gets. Go VIP, find out more information on all the benefits that come with the VIP membership at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And now we not only accept payments through PayPal, but also a direct credit card or debit card sign up and also through Patreon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Wade's interview with one of Pro Wrestling's newsmakers. All right, Sam, we have a, a robust SummerSlam lineup, as we were just talking about before hitting record. Uh, we are up to... Ten matches listed for SummerSlam on Saturday night. I have to catch myself from saying Sunday night. Um, and now some of these will be on the pre-show, you know, one one or two perhaps. Um, but if they're going to fit all this into three hours, we're going to have some some uh, some matches that are shorter than than maybe we would expect otherwise. 
Yeah, I mean, and I was thinking the same thing, that at least some of it will be on the pre-show, at least one, right? But at the same time, I was going, well, if they were adding matches as recently as this week on Raw, who's to say they won't, like, I, I, I would not be shocked if Shinsuke Nakamura still ends up with a match at SummerSlam. Uh, and and I think people would like that. I think they, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think people want to see Shinsuke and Boogs right now. Yeah, and I yeah. and you know, let's be honest. As much as I don't want to give him all this credit, I do feel like Pat McAfee. <laughs> I, I feel like the first thing, the first real accomplishment, aside from just I think doing a great job. I mean, the first singular pinpoint accomplishment. I feel like he got Boogs and in turn Nakamura over yeah. in a huge way to the point that like people are into the act people want to see it and i think i think if if just for the entrance people want to see this thing in a stadium and you know what i i was uh at smackdown a few weeks ago or a couple uh, two or three weeks ago whatever it is now um and mac you can't it, it i feel ashamed because i didn't watch shinsuke or books all I did was watch Pat McAfee, the whole ring entrance. Because yeah. and very little of it aired on TV. He is he is doing this regardless of whether you're gonna point a camera at him. And I mean, he stood on that table and with more enthusiasm than a kid on wrapping gifts on Christmas morning, just danced and celebrated. And the crowd was just enamored with him. And there is yeah, and, and it is indicative of I think a level of of investment, enthusiasm, product knowledge that that McAfee has brought to uh to SmackDown and it, where he's got credibility with fans in a way that I think someone else doing it would come across as just sort of going through the motions to try to collect a paycheck or it could have even backfired and McAfee just want you know it's it's a it's worth studying you know why do fans react positively to McAfee when somebody else trying to do maybe some similar things people would re- reject it or turn against the act that he's endorsing because it's too heavy-handed or too wacky but it's it's working and part of it is you know Boogs is weird and McAfee's weird and Shinsuke's weird. And so you kind of understand they're just sort of, you you would think it feels genuine because you'd think they'd all sort of be into each other. Yeah. And I think that something that should go without saying, but I feel like too often you don't feel it. And I think that they're essential to successful acts in wrestling is authenticity and enthusiasm. You know, I, 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 think that it boggles my mind when I hear wrestling commentators that are not enthusiastic because I I'm out at that point and I think that a lot of fans feel the same way whether they know exactly why they're out or not there's just something about not feeling the enthusiasm from an announcer that makes you go oh well maybe this is stupid maybe maybe I shouldn't be this enthusiastic either but I think Pat comes across because it's true as a legitimate fan, as somebody who's legitimately getting a kick out of this stuff. And, I mean, I think if you go back and you watch the tape, I don't think that he was ever instructed to get up on that desk and play air guitar. I think that he did it one week, and he was like, okay, I didn't get yelled at, and he did it a second week, and now I'm sure it's very much encouraged, right? Now I'm sure it's like, yeah, start humping Cole's head or whatever it is. But like, <laughs> Oh, my God, I, sitting on his head. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that this was not an idea that was presented to Pat McAfee. The, and you're right. The, the 
it applies to wrestlers and announcers having yeah. the term that I use is joy of performance. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody wants to tune in, in a, to escapism entertainment and think that it's a drudge or someone just clocked in to do their job. And I noticed that as like a 10 or 12 year old going to house shows. Like I could tell when wrestlers were just there to collect their paycheck. And, and I understand life. Sometimes you're dealing with personal issues. Sometimes you're just exhausted. Sometimes there's a crying baby in the hotel room next to you. I'm not saying it won't happen from, from time to time. I'm just saying I notice. And, and there's people who are cynical about their job and their boss, and they're just you know trying to finish out their career making a little money. There's all kinds of reasons for it. And I've lived long enough to understand not to be too judgmental about it, but it's a fact that I think fans pick up on it. And so it's, but it's not just enthusiasm. It's joy of performance because enthusiasm is you can fake it. You can manufacture it mm-hmm. and fans see through it. If an announcer gets, and I'm not going to name names because historically there have been plenty, including some now, who manufacture enthusiasm for something, and it doesn't feel like it came from actual emotion, but rather a guidebook of how you're supposed to react to things. And the emotions aren't there. The emphasis on words feels like they're reading the words instead of just coming up with them because they're in the moment. And what McAfee brings, and actually Shinsuke and Boogs do too, I think, is that joy of performance. Whether it's true or not, some are just good at faking it. But I think there's a genuine joy of performance um, with, with all of them right now. And fans just want to have fun with performers who are also having fun. I've been to concerts where I love the music, but the musicians seem kind of grumpy, didn't want to be there. In other times where you could tell, or at least they were faking it well, that they couldn't be happier. And this is their dream come true. And, and we appreciate you being here. And let's play some music and have a moment together. Um, and that's what wrestling is. It's a, it's a rock concert more than anything. And Paul Heyman is one of the people who articulated that and, and, and in a way and, and uh, produced it in a way uh, in the original ECW that made me kind of realize, uh, you know, wrestling at its best in some form or fashion should be a rock concert with fans going nuts and wrestlers who love what they're doing and everybody's part of it together. Yeah, and I think we could talk about the psychology of that fact for a long time because you're right on both those counts. Like, enthusiasm is not tonality, right? Like you could have an enthusiastic tone, but if you don't have an authentic enthusiasm or a joy of performance or whatever it is, it is so transparent and it is gross and it's annoying. Um, And I think that wrestling like rock concerts are that on, on some level, whether people want to admit it or not, especially once they get to become adults, wrestling fans are, obsessive and music fans are obsessive and you see your favorite band on stage and a part of you loves being there because you wish you were on stage with them you're almost putting yourself in their body like you're you're dreaming what if i didn't have this nine to five job what if i was the drummer for the foo fighters and like i i would have the time of my life if i was doing that that'd be amazing and then you look up at taylor and he's losing his mind just having a great time playing the drums and I think it's the same thing for wrestling, like the idea that especially in the commentary, but but in wrestling and cutting promos in in being in the ring, you're like, oh, my God, I always dreamed of being a wrestler when I was a kid. If, only, if, if I could be a wrestler, if I could be a commentator, if I could be anything. And then I don't even know if people realize it, but like you see people that don't have that joy for it and you almost go like, well, what am I watching then? Like, how do I get lost in this fantasy that's supposed to be, it's not a fantasy anymore. Like this isn't supposed to be 
a nine to five job. I have a nine to five job and it sucks. Like I can't escape into your world if you're as miserable as I am. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, night, good, good broad topic. And, um, I think, you know, it is looking at McAfee and just seeing wrestler, you know, like I, I talked about, uh, uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, like in NXT, they had a joy performance. That's when I first used that term. Like I liked their tag team cause they just, they brought back, they brought me back to childhood watching wrestling for the first time where baby faces just seemed so happy to be there and they were so focused on winning. And if they won, it was the greatest day of their life. And that, that thrill of victory and that vicarious experience is, is vital. So, uh, Sam, let's talk about SummerSlam and, and we'll see how many matches we think are going are gonna, to uh, check this box for us in terms of the performers um, showing joy in their performance and fans, uh, and fans relating to them, if it comes up naturally. We don't want to fake enthusiasm <laughs> for this topic, Sam. Yeah. There's a difference between Sam. It's great to have you here, and Sam, it is great that you're here. So, I'll do both or two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So, whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Did you know that through Patreon, you can get this show with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 a month and enjoy our podcasts on whatever podcast app you're using or directly through the Patreon app. Check out full details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Wipe away the ads to the Wade Keller podcast, post shows, and PW Torch daily casts. That's 14 pro wrestling podcasts per week with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 per month. Support us and enjoy a streamlined listening experience. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Uh, well, actually, let, let me pause first before we get into the official SummerSlam preview and just introduce the show so everybody knows who we are and what we're doing here. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast for Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. And I'm Wade Keller, the editor, publisher, founder of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter and pwtorch.com, the website, and also host of the Wade Keller Podcast and Wade Keller Post Shows. Hope you're checking those out. Uh, I host a live stream after Raw, starting about five minutes after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, you can listen to the show live at wadekellerpostshow.com, or you can download the complete show uh, in its final format uh, a few hours later, every late Monday night, early AM hours, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I also host a variety of VIP audio shows, including this Saturday night, the SummerSlam post pay-per-view roundtable that we've been doing since uh, 2003 after WWE pay-per-views. So uh, hope if you if you aren't a VIP member, you'll go VIP and check us out. My other the other voice you hear, my co-host today, is Sam Roberts from the Not Sam Wrestling podcast and many other places that you may run into him uh, in in media, including WWE and NXT TV. Sam Roberts, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So uh, uh, get some plugs in. Tell people what you got going on and how they can listen and how they can follow you on social media. Okay, so one of my favorite things I just did um, on the Not Sam Wrestling podcast that came out on Monday. It, I mean, it's the SummerSlam preview show, but like, there's a, a lot more than SummerSlam preview. Like, I talk about how cool it is for wrestling fans. I think in, 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 a, in a broad way to see Christian winning a world title uh, in 2021. But... My favorite thing that I did is Roman Reigns came out on SmackDown on Friday wearing a pair of sneakers. Some people caught it. Some people didn't because some people don't know anything about sneakers, and that's fine. But the Travis Scott fragment Jordan ones. And I used kind of that as a jump off point to explain how wearing those sneakers and presenting himself as someone who who wears those sneakers at this moment on this television show is this little mainstream piece to Roman Reigns that if the right people are noticing this and if the right people are pushing this forward, that it it, it can result in Roman Reigns being the next mainstream guy, the next John Cena, the next Rock, without having to leave WWE, that those guys became sort of seriously mainstream once they got into Hollywood and Roman Reigns is on this route where he can become more like the professional football player, professional basketball that goes beyond the NBA or the NFL brand and becomes a household name and a superstar in a, in, in his own right. Um, I think that that's the road that Roman Reigns can be on, but all the, the, the whole sort of thesis developed around the shoes that he was wearing on SmackDown. So, you know, if you want to see me or listen to me expand on that, um, as weird as it is, that was a, my, my, my personal favorite topic on the Not Sam Wrestling podcast on Monday. Oh, oh, and Wade, you can, if you got Peacock, you can search Not Sam on Peacock and the whole first season of Not Sam Wrestling that I did uh, at the end of last year and beginning of this year, is now available on Peacock to watch 15 episodes, an hour each. The last one's an hour and a half, and I'm really proud of them. So those are that's the wrestling fan show that I did for WWE Network at the time, now Peacock. I, uh, I sense genuine enthusiasm from you there, Sam. 
I mean, it's a, really, for me, I think of it more of a joy of performance. <laughs> there you go. Well played. Um, I will learn from that because I, I don't even know what a sneaker is because I'm from Minnesota. We have tennis shoes, even if it's oh, not for tennis. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> Man, you look at the tennis shoes the Roman Reigns was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that is what everybody I know in Minnesota would say. What kind of tennis shoes is, is Roman wearing? And to people out, and there's like charts online if you Google it, like what different regions in the United States call call athletic footwear. And there's just different <laughs> weird terms everywhere. I think sneakers is the most popular. But if you're not used to sneakers, it sounds like it's like slippers. You're like trying to tiptoe around at the night, sneaking around. Like, why would they be called sneakers? <laughs> and tennis shoes is kind of silly, but like they at least are used for tennis, not sneaking around. So I know uh, regional regional things are, are, are funny. Regional dialect. Yeah, dialect. Thank you. Your thanks. But dialect is a much more adult word. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's uh, let's get to talking some SummerSlam here, um, and, and let's just start with the man you just spoke about, Roman Reigns, who uh, is is defending his WWE Universal Championship against John Cena, Paul Heyman in his corner. Um, uh, this is uh, a match I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. I, I did not like John Cena's promo on Monday in a number of ways that ultimately might not matter because um, it had a big match feel. Or I'm sorry, last Friday. Um, uh, the, it, the, the, the vibe it all gave off was a big match feel. Like, these are two big stars from sort of two different generations or overlapping generations, but Reigns in his prime, Cena, the star who might set a record. Um, there were the meta stuff, you know, like, you're not drawing numbers, and I, they, they called me to save, you, save the show from you or something. It didn't make sense because all I see as a viewer is Roman succeeding in front of sellout crowds and... He just seems like the most successful guy ever. And Cena's like, oh, yeah, they called me in because you're not succeeding. I don't know what that means. Um, so I'm open to having that explained to me. But that part didn't resonate. But I, I, and, and I, but I think Roman Reigns, and you're talking about him becoming a star, like the way he stood there and did not at all shrink in that moment with John Cena, who's had so many big moments just like that, selling a pay-per-view. And they've got one more show to do it on Friday. Um, but Cena's done that so many times with no less than The Rock but many others also. And Reigns, one of the criticisms of him as a babyface that I had is he didn't have that traditional go-home babyface promo right before a major pay-per-viewer to sell a match. just wasn't his thing. I thought standing there opposite of Cena and throwing back at Cena, unlike you, I'm going to say good things about you. Because when I beat you, I want to beat someone who means something, not someone who means nothing. Like, I'm still watching him, imagining the trajectory, if he lasts long enough before being called into Hollywood or something, as a full-time top star what the trajectory is for this character. Um, so, Sam, those are some of my thoughts on, on the hype going into this. Uh, tell me what you think about the hype, and then we'll kind of get into the options for the match itself on Saturday. Um, so I thought I thought the segment was great, first and foremost. I thought it was by far the best thing on SmackDown. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting because uh, I am with you in the sense that I did not – I thought that the stuff that John Cena was saying applied to the original John Cena-Roman Reigns rivalry – and not to this one, because I mean, nobody has had a year. Very few superstars in the history of WWE have ever had any year like Roman Reigns has had a year, especially when you put it in the context of it happened during a pandemic. The fact that Roman had his best year without the benefit of a live audience when it was the one time that he could have used them because the booze would have only helped. Um you know, I, 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 I personally, because I thought about it a lot, because I thought Roman could have gone harder. You know, I thought you didn't. What you didn't hear from Roman was, "Hey, Cena, 
this is you, the era that you're talking about. I know the era that you're talking about, and you're not in that era because you left and you went and you made Suicide Squad. You made you made movies where you could make all the goofy faces that you wanted to in them. But while you were gone, I've become a bigger WWE superstar than you ever were. So don't, but he didn't do all that. And part of me thinks that the reason that he didn't do all that is because it's true. And I feel like if Roman Reigns goes to level 10 in this rivalry with John Cena right now, nobody's going to boo Roman Reigns. I feel like I feel like Roman is holding back a little bit because he wants people to cheer John Cena and he wants to get booed at SummerSlam. And I think that if you were really telling the truth about this story, it would be difficult for you not to cheer Roman Reigns. Um, all that said, what I thought was done very well on John Cena's part specifically was, number one, bringing up the fact that all he has to do is get a three count. You know, that the story of this match yes. is now yes. that he can get his ass kicked and he will get his ass kicked and that's all good. But he knows how to get a three count. And I love that I, for one of the very rare times because John Cena got that 16th title win and a lot of us fans made a big deal out of it, but it really wasn't made into a huge deal on TV. There was no ceremony. There was no like he's matched the record. This is unbelievable. It was just like he got it and then he lost it and that was it. Um, the idea that that he's referencing the fact that he would become 17 time champion Um I don't think it's an accident that that's happening now when smart fans, and I think John Cena is smart enough to play to smart fans. Um, I think that, that John knows and WWE knows that smart fans are aware that Ric Flair is gone. And for the same reason why people assume that Brock Lesnar was holding the title as long as he was to beat CM Punk's record. I think that there are smart fans that will question whether or not WWE wants Ric Flair to still be the 16 time champion now that he's not in WWE anymore. And I think that even smart fans that know that John Cena is not sticking around for longer than one show after SummerSlam also know that it's not unlike the WWE to let John Cena win the title and then not be on TV just so you can say John Cena is the 17-time champion. John Cena is one better than Ric Flair. Um, maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I think that all that information was presented on purpose. And I think that it did leave the segment did leave the feeling of, okay, I, I still don't know how likely it is, but there is at least a decent sized chance that John Cena does actually win the title at SummerSlam. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I like the one, two, three thing, too. I think some people don't like repetition when they come away from a promo remembering something because, or like feeling something was dwelled on for so long. And usually those are, I think, fans who pay close attention to everything. And Vince McMahon often is catering in, in, in his style towards people who are casually paying attention. And you can tell when he wants you to remember something very, very specifically and in particular. And Cena really, this was a case, you know, whether Cena did it because Vince told him to or Cena just learned that way and believes in that philosophy. He really, really wanted fans to be thinking about the idea that, yeah, I haven't been wrestling lately. And Roman has, and he's been dominant, but he can kick my ass. But all I need is one, two, three. So it, it serves that purpose, like you're saying, in addition to the Ric Flair record. It also kind of gives us a, a clue. It foreshadows the story of the match. In that it's not you know going to be seen, it's not going to be brains taking a bunch of bumps for seen in a fifty fifty back and forth match between two wrestlers in their prime. This isn't like you know Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole in some sort of match where it's just like look at these guys go. It's going to be the story of can Cena pull off that traumatic three count. So they laid the foundation, and that definitely for me was the strength uh, of the promo, just along with the, the visual of the two you know these two big stars standing there. But in one of the great things about wrestling is when you go back to a rematch. And it feels fresh, even with the same people in it, because they've been on a journey apart, and now the ships are crossing again. And so that um, that I like a lot. Ha- have you gotten a sense, Sam, that John Cena was expecting and anticipating, or WWE, you know, Vince McMahon and company, were anticipating a more of a mixed response than 
the whatever percent it has been heavily, heavily, heavily pro Cena anti rain so far. Because some of the some of what Cena has done from his first promo on has has felt like I'm posing a question to you, and the next line is in anticipation of you having a mixed response, and he has to adjust because everyone's cheering him. Yeah, well, I think whether he uh, consciously expected it or not, I think when you look at the way John Cena works and has worked forever, he has had to adapt his style to be just that, right? Like, he he is used to playing to a mixed crowd. Um, so I think that because that's what he's done forever, he would find... Like, I don't think he would naturally expect to have, you know, 90% of the crowd on his side. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think that, that he comes in ready to kind of convince an audience, and he does that well. Like, he, he, he does really well of, like, taking an audience that's only half on his side and still bringing them on the ride that he wants them to go on. And, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to learn that he kind of, whether actively knowing it or subconsciously, is ready to fight an uphill battle and not realizing... Oh, like they're they're completely down for me being the good guy and Roman being the bad guy. Like they're 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 totally on my side. And you know, this is really the first time that John has entered a portion of his career where fans are like, "All right, we like you. All right, you're the man. No, no, you're the man. You're awesome." Um, and Cena yeah, sucks. Let's go. Cena is the new you know you suck to Kurt Angle song. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody loves John. Everybody knows that he's the man. Like, everybody knows you can't say anything. Yeah, I mean, realistically, John Cena is the greatest. I, I still am not, I, like, the part that I didn't like early in the pro, pretty early in the promo is, you know, for 10 years, WWE's been selling fans Roman Reigns. And judging by the numbers, the only one buying is Reigns. And that's why I came back. I mean, like, I, I just don't know that framing your top star in your top show as a failure now after he's completely reinvented himself and has had a successful year makes a lot of sense to me and second of all i'm i i just i am not a fan and i I mean at all so it really takes a lot to convince me it makes sense to introduce drawing power and ratings into a storyline on television I, i i think that there's it's always better to stay within the lines of to me cena walking out there and going roman last time i saw you XYZ. The fans were booing you and you were winning titles and losing titles, but you didn't seem it didn't seem authentic. Now we got to learn in the last year who the authentic you is. And from what I hear, nobody likes you. But you're winning and you're dominant. And you're on your way to maybe becoming the most dominant champion unless someone like me can step up. Like to me, and again, you can do dozens of things along those lines, just illustrative of my point, which is I think you can take the actual on air evidence that fans have watched, which is it's about winning and losing, and dominance in the ring, and how you react to that dominance, that's in the storyline. But the idea that WWE's been, quote, selling fans Roman Reigns, and he's been failing, when he's won all these major matches against all these big stars, it just, it's it's two things that I think are incompatible in the context of a storyline promo on a wrestling show. And I, I, I just sort of roll my eyes at that, like, you're just trying too hard to cater to an audience that just wants to be sold a story that just makes sense within the parameters of kayfabe storylines whatever phrase you want to use uh yeah i would i would agree it doesn't really bother me um i definitely think you can and also like i don't i don't know that i take his word for it on the numbers it feels like you're trying to appeal a little bit to like uh an internet audience that isn't the real internet audience kind of because 
you could also like it's not like John Cena wasn't pushed down our throats, right? So, you know, I that that's where there's a little bit of a disconnect. It's not like it's Austin and Cena. It's Cena and Roman. Like they're kind of cut from a similar cloth. Roman may have been afforded more opportunities quicker than Cena, certainly. But this, those same criticisms were leveled towards Cena. Um, and and I'll, I'll throw in Sam as you're answering. Like they, one other line too that might. Uh, be worth addressing is you're that they've built a protective layer around you so no one else has a chance but they called me in to stop you well wait a second is management insulating reigns so no one can beat him or are they eager to unseat him and that's why they called me in because i can stop you it felt contradictory and uh, again maybe it made sense to most fans and not me watching but who is this mythical authority figure who is apparently protecting reigns by putting him against all these top opponents who are available, and who is this other management power figure, Adam Pierce versus Sonia Deville? Like it doesn't fit the storyline at all, and it's also contradictory one sentence to the next. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like could we could we have done a thing where uh, Cena is is more saying like, "Hey, I guess I was brought in to help you make a name for yourself, and you know, to be your neck." Yeah, you beat Edge. Like, yeah, you beat Daniel Bryan. Yeah, well, guess what? Like, it's not going to be so easy. And maybe John Cena points out the fact that he was brought in to make Roman look stronger. But unfortunately for Roman, John's not done. And and maybe tell that story a little bit. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I think the uh, flirting with the, out, with the non-canon world um, is definitely risky. Uh, I don't think I don't think they've crossed any lines. I don't think that that anything they've done has been irreputable. I definitely see what you're saying in terms of uh, 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 cohesiveness, like in terms of uh, of a real cohesiveness of the story. Like explain this to me like I'm like I'm eight years old, like explain this to me like I haven't watched this before. And why? Why is this happening? And oh, so Roman sucks. And it's like, well, no, he used to, though. Oh, well, I mean, why didn't you say that? Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I think that there's more of the story to be told. I almost felt watching this like I was like, oh, I wish I'd gotten this like two weeks ago. And we could have. Yeah, this could have been a jump off point. We could have expanded upon a lot of this because I think that this is a strong base coat. Um, but I think there's more nuance to go through with this story. Yeah, I I've, sometimes you can watch a movie and you think that there was an original script writing team and then some people who revised it and then they fired all of them and brought someone else in to save the script. I I like I said, I don't know if it ultimately matters, you know, in terms of selling the match. I mean, I, I I don't think this was anywhere near the potential, but I had very very high hopes for Reigns and Cena going back and forth on the mic. But to me, this felt like a lot of different people contributed a lot of different ideas from a lot of different perspectives, and it just kind of. It, it, there were aspects of Cena that felt like he hadn't watched the product in a year or that he was still talking to a different Roman Reigns. And they did, you know, even from the moment Reigns returned, like the announcers weren't going, what happened to the old Roman? We, this isn't the guy we once knew. Like the announcers have really never said that. It's just been, it's it's almost like a reset and a fresh start. Here he is. This is the head of the table. And watch this. And then Cena comes in and does a promo talking about the failure of Roman Reigns and how management is protecting him. And it's like, Three years ago, that was a story, but it's like not at all what that audience on Friday nights has watched for the last year. Not even close. Like, there's nobody protecting Reigns. There's no one, as he said, uh, uh, marketing those giant bars of soap you've got for teeth. You haven't you haven't been embarrassed. You've been protected. 
There's nothing in the canon of WWE SmackDown that Reigns has been protected. So it felt like Cena was kind of coming in doing greatest hits from, you know, 2017 or, you know, give or take a few years that, or, or TNA in the 2000s when everything was catered to the internet because they thought that would curry favor with fans who don't want to, quote, have their intelligence insulted with a coherent storyline. They just want insider stuff reference. So, again, that like I thought that part was disappointing. But I liked the one, two, three. I liked Reigns' demeanor. I liked Reigns giving back to Cena, although sort of babyface-like, saying, I'm going to compliment you, so when I beat you, I beat a, beat somebody who's not, you know, who hasn't been uh, beat down verbally into nothing. And it felt like a big match. Um, but they got Friday. I'm really curious what they do Friday to kind of bring this all home. Um, so what, what do you think, if you could have something happen on Friday, because you just said you wished, you know, we got more weeks of this, and this was sort of a base coat. They only, they only got one more day to paint, <laughs> one more night to paint on Friday. What, what, what do you think they're going to do, or what would you like to see them do to really sell people on signing up for Peacock and watching Saturday night? I want it to be the last segment of the show on Friday, and I want it to be, like, chaos, like, to the point where it's almost uncomfortable. Like, do they know they're on TV? Do they, mm-hmm. this, is, this is getting, like, way too personal. You know, I want, like, John Cena pointing out the rocks promo on his arm level of uncomfortableness. Like, you know, the, the, like, I want Cena out there to push Roman in a real way, like in a, in a, in a, in a, in a real life way. I want Cena to get out there and throw some stuff at Roman that maybe they didn't talk about before the promo. And I want Roman to hit Cena back as hard as humanly possible verbally. Like, I, I want moments of, like, okay, these guys are really... Cena is testing Roman to see if Roman is really ready to be the top guy, and Roman is not looking for Cena's approval anymore in a real-life way. Like, that's what I want to feel um, going into this. Uh, yeah. That, that, and yeah, that, that, and, that, and that, I wish we had four more weeks, like, to do this. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like we're getting shortchanged a little bit, even though... It seems like, you know, they gave them plenty of time. I, I just, yeah, I kind of wanted to have, like you said, this is the base coat, and now let's have two, three, four weeks of some back and forth. Not where we get sick of it, but where, like you said, it, they, like, it, it'd be nice if they didn't know this week where they were going to be in two weeks, but they were excited about the promo journey, and instead, you know, we're just days away now from the match. Right. Yeah. Right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Check out our new 2021 PW Torch VIP podcast lineup, including everything with Rich Fan, 
hosted by Wade Keller, where on weekends we get together and talk about everything. And that includes our popular Off the Beaten Path segment, where either Rich or I present each other with something to watch that's Off the Beaten Path, and we dissect and analyze and react to it. Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's nostalgic, sometimes it's therapeutic, and sometimes it's just plucking something from the past that would work today that's not being done. But we talk about uh, WWE, NXT, AEW, all the current events in professional wrestling also. It's a different format and a fresh podcast dynamic with Rich and me. Every weekend, everything with Rich Fan is part of the new PW Torch VIP podcast lineup for 2021. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the match itself, um, you know, they painted a picture of the possibility of Cena winning and, you know, just takes one, two, three, and I, I would set this record. Um, what, what do you expect from the match? Is is this, I mean, it part of it depends on, you know, how much Cena wants to do. You know, I mean, he's got gigs and a whole other career going on. You know, he might not want to take a lot of chances. I remember Rock was particular about that and took some heat back in the day, um, not wanting to do certain things that could get him hurt or bruise his face. Um and Cena might be in that zone now, uh, but at the same time, they're not at a point where they got to just do a bunch of flatback bumps and flip dives in order to get over. Um, you know, they've done the work in other ways to get over. So I- I'm not sure what to expect. Like if it's you know an eight minute beatdown and in a semi decisive win for Reigns, or if they go you know 15 with some near falls in the last few minutes, but ultimately Reigns just simply hits a couple finishing moves and, and gets a clean win or like what is the array of options that you think have a, a solid chance of happening? Okay. So I think to your first point, I want to feel like Cena number one has more commitment than that. And number two, I feel like if he were worried about getting bruised or, or, or you, you know, just doing too much, I feel like he wouldn't have been working all these house shows and dark matches for the last six weeks um, or a month or whatever it's been. Um, granted, they've been six-man tags. It's not like he's done... They haven't been the most risky things it's, in the world. It's, it's been Ray taking a beating and hot-taking right. Cena, who hits a few moves and the fans cheer and they go home. But yeah, I... But you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, like, like yeah. It, he's not, you, he's you not so much like, I'm precious, I will give you one match, but otherwise I have more important things to do. He absolutely precisely. wants to be out there in front of fans. Precisely. So so there, there's that. Um, I also think that the way the match has been set up, what John Cena said on SmackDown... I and, and the way the Roman Reigns character has been set up. I mean, I, I think that the visual of WrestleMania and Brian and Edge being stacked one on top of the other, like this isn't an accident. You know, I, I, I think that you have to get a John Cena beat down. John Cena has to get beaten down by Roman Reigns in order for like if John Cena doesn't take a Roman Reigns beat down, then it's like like that's the one thing Roman and John both agree on that John is going to get beaten up by Roman Reigns. Like, they both are like, yes, yes. They just have a disagreement about what will happen after John Cena gets beaten up by Roman Reigns. Um, 
What I'd like to see for the match, I, I, I again, I think that since we know John Cena, we know he'll be back for the September 10th Madison Square Garden show. Now, important to note, he may not be on television for that show. Like, he's been advertised as being in the building to a lot of the TVs in the last month. And he hasn't actually been on TV, but he's been in the building and he's worked the dark match at the end of the TV taping. So as far as we know, he may just get beaten into smithereens at SummerSlam, and that's the last we see of John Cena. And then on September 10th, he works the dark main event at Madison Square Garden. Um, That's very possible. Uh, I, I... Personally, want to see Roman Reigns win. I want to see the beatdown happen. I want to see the kickout happen. I want to see an attitude adjustment. I want to see the kickout happen again. I want to see John Cena going like, oh, like I want to see Roman Reigns' face first. Go, oh my God, this is as Cena predicted it. This is as this, he's he he is going to be able to get his one two three. And then when he doesn't get the one two three, I want to see Cena going, oh no, Roman is a different beast now. This is not the same Roman that I tangled with before. And then I want to see Roman unleash another beatdown on John Cena and then beat him one, two, three. Because what I want for this whole thing over the next few weeks is I I personally do not like at all what's happened with Finn Balor in the last three weeks on SmackDown. Like, I think it went from... You have a main event guy waiting for you right after SummerSlam to this guy is not a serious threat anymore. I, I think that the way the contract signing went down, Finn Balor looked like weak. And I think that uh, the fact that he tapped out uh, two weeks ago to the guillotine, even though he had beaten up the Usos, like the fact that he tapped out again was like, OK, so, you know, and the fact that it was acknowledged that both John and Roman do not consider Finn Balor is a serious threat. I think that Roman beats John Cena at SummerSlam. I think John Cena comes out on SmackDown to say goodbye to the audience. I would like to see Finn Balor interrupt John Cena as a babyface, not as a heel. And I personally, if John Cena wants to leave WWE in a better place, Finn Balor should beat him on television on September 10th at SmackDown. And that would then build to what I think can be an effective Finn Balor Roman Reigns match where it's like, okay, now we've got something competitive. So the piece is on place for that too. I mean, it's not like you're manufacturing something that they haven't put in play, in, in play. I mean, that is absolutely right. in play. This, Storyline all, this all, this, this all works with the fabric that we've got. The other way that could go is that John Cena actually wins the title at SummerSlam and then comes back on September 10th and then Finn Balor beats him and wins the title and now Roman Reigns has to beat Finn Balor to get his title back. And while that's possible and while it makes sense, I think that if John Cena comes back with the title and Finn Balor challenges him for it, everybody watching SmackDown knows that Finn Balor's going to win the title. Like, Of course. Um, I think that if John Cena does not win the title, then we will expect John Cena to be getting his victory back. And when he doesn't, I think it will mean even more for Finn Balor. Um, Especially when, like, you'll also think, okay, Roman Reigns and the Usos are going to interfere in this match. And, you know, it'll be a schmoz ending. And I would have that attempted, and I would have it foiled by other baby faces, and then have Finn Balor beat John Cena completely clean. 
just because it would be the absolute like, okay, John Cena is gone and we officially have two undeniable main event superstars ready for a title match at the next pay-per-view. And it was five years ago this month, Balor won and relinquished the universal title. So there's, you know, like they, they can Roman play more on his that. way there. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That was, yeah. So there's history to mark, to make it feel even more, you know, relevant and, and logical and, and, um, and, and pull from that history, including some fans who weren't around for that. or don't remember because it was just a blip on the map for, for Balor. Um, but it had some credibility and some history to that feud to give it a little extra oomph. Um, I this not so much SummerSlam related with with Roman Reigns, but do you kind of miss the head of the table interacting with the Usos in the way that he did for so much of the Thunderdome era? Um, and do you want to see them get back to that post Cena, where the Usos aren't just the Usos, but there's family dynamic? Or do you think that they played that out and we're at a a, a a sort of uh, a place of where there, we need some constant. We just need some loyalty and no hints of dissension so that when they decide to play that card later, you've got a baseline of normalcy that the uh, discontentness is disrupting. Uh, I don't necessarily need it immediately. I'd be fine if we did get it immediately. I'm definitely ready for more. I do not feel like the story is settled whatsoever. Um, you know, I feel like specifically... Jimmy Uso is the one that came back from an injury, right? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy came back from injury. Jay was the one who was okay. around for all the drama, yeah. Yeah, so Jay Uso, I, I feel like, has gone through it. Jimmy Uso kind of seeing the light and just siding with Roman Reigns, I kind of feel like just happened. It like uh, I, I feel like I'm still waiting for some resolve there. Like I feel like he still is like, okay, what is, what is, what's really up his sleeve? What's really his motivation? Um and I don't mind as long as it comes. I don't mind waiting a little bit of time before it comes. You know, I I, I wonder too because Rain spoke about this in New York Post. If the DUI kind of said, you know what, Jimmy, we're not going to invest nuanced scripting and TV time for a little while. Let's see how you're doing, and we can table that storyline for later. Because it would be weird to make J- Jimmy the centerpiece of SmackDown in this drama after another DUI arrest that led to a lot of people thinking he's going to be pulled from TV and suspended indefinitely. You can't be driving around putting people at risk like that over and over. And instead, mm-hmm. it was sort of handled in-house. But maybe they actually are sort of saying, we're going to cool it on on making you a, a featured personality. And unfortunately, it pulls Jay down a little bit too. Not that you know being in a, a tag team title match on, on SummerSlam is a bad thing, but it is a step down from the really compelling drama with, with Jay and Reigns and then Jimmy showing up thinking he was going to pull Reigns or pull Jay away from Roman, but then sort of just not, almost out of nowhere going, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you, Roman. Let's all be a family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if that is what it is, then I, I get that. I, I, yeah. I really, I completely get it. And I think that it is probably a smart move as well. And I think that, you know, like I said, I mean, my choice would be to go to Finn Balor after SummerSlam and then af- after Extreme Rules, which I think is what September is, I think, um, I would think it would be draft time. So maybe Drew McIntyre comes over to SmackDown. Exactly. Maybe there's, you know, yep. there's a hundred things that could happen. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that we need, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a Jimmy Uso centerpiece story yet. You know, uh, and I, I think we'll get there at some point. Yep. Uh, anything else on Cena Reigns, Sam? No, no. Other than I think that it has been a really effective main event feeling match yeah the, the vibe is it's a big time match 
Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. This show, the podcast, have our blue logo. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows have our red logo. Just search Wade Keller and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and click subscribe to the red logo, and you can download our Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and sometimes NXT post shows. I'm joined by a co-host to add a different perspective to the analysis for the show, where we talk to live callers, on-site correspondents who are in the building who tell us what did not air on TV, and we also answer mailbag questions. Those shows are available for download within a few hours after the show's end on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. So there's a fast turnaround to get your fix. So check it out. That's the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Just search Wade Keller. You can also stream the show live at wadekellerpostshow.com about five minutes after the show's end on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move to some other shows on uh, the SmackDown side of things. Bianca Belair uh, defending against Sasha Banks. Sasha correctly cast as a heel. I think she in theory, could be a good baby face, but she's a better heel. And I think Bianca Belair's come a long way since, you know, WrestleMania um, in solidifying herself in terms of also, by the way, crowd reactions. I was in attendance for SmackDown, didn't know how Bianca, what the reaction would be for Bianca. Um, you know, is she going to be seen as overpushed and didn't pay enough dues and she's leapfrogging people or, you know, the EST things feels kind of heelish and cocky. And people love her. You know, like, she's got really good reactions. So, I think it's worked out well um, with Sasha coming back as a heel. Not that you wish an injury on Bailey, and I wish this was Bailey. Um, your your take on on kind of the the uh, serendipity of of Sasha being available to come back and doing so as a heel to be a strong heel opposite of Bianca here at SummerSlam on Saturday. Uh, I would agree uh, with you in in the sense that that I like Sasha Banks as a heel, um, and I don't think. You know, save for Charlotte, which I, I think we'll get to eventually, I don't think that there's a stronger opponent for Bianca Belair. You know, I think that I think that, that was the match that people really left WrestleMania talking about. I, you know, it 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 headlined it, it was right to put that on as the main event. Um and I think that now that the story is a little more in depth, I felt a satisfaction. I saw it coming a mile away, of course, but it was one of those like things where you see it coming because it's what should happen when Sasha turned on Bianca. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I think that, that Sasha is absolutely the right pick, especially for what's going on on SmackDown right now for Bianca. I think, you know, it's time to move on after SummerSlam, but the idea, and maybe you get back to it. Maybe, you figure out a way to do it again at Survivor Series, and it becomes one of those like all-time trifectas. Um, but I like the idea of this year having the WrestleMania match and the SummerSlam match be those two tent poles for Sasha and Bianca. Is Bianca starting to come across to you as, oh, she's like, you know, for five years she can just be the centerpiece babyface leader of one of the two shows? Is she uh, is she close to proving that already proved it or jury's out. Let's, let's see that maybe somebody else can, can, uh, can leapfrog her in, in the pipeline. I think she's, uh, one solid storyline away from being in that territory. I absolutely think that's where she'll be. You know, I, ju- I just think she has a connection with the audience that 
I, I don't I don't we haven't seen in a very, very long time. Um, I just think that we haven't gotten that storyline, you know, since WrestleMania, we haven't really had a defining storyline for her as champion. And the storyline going into WrestleMania was her fine was her making it, her getting there, her crowning. And I think when somebody gets crowned queen, you get the excitement of them being crowned and this is great and 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 they are they are the queen. And then before we say if they were a good queen or a bad queen, we start judging them by their actions as queen. So I think that I think that coming off of SummerSlam, I'd like to see what Bianca looks like in a world where she's not potential. She's realized. What does Bianca look like as realized potential? Um and I think that 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 once she thrives in that environment, that's when it's like, okay, well now now we're in main event. You're the top woman on the roster for as long as you want to be here territory. For the sake of her character, short term and long term, is it better for her to have to chase Sasha, who's an established top star? And where does Bianca go if she beats Sasha um, on Saturday? Is is this ripe for a title change? Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, you talk about having a, a, a great trifecta, and to have a great trifecta, you would kind of need for the third match to be a rubber match, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but also, I don't know, if it were me, I'd probably keep it on Bianca. I think a lot of people are expecting a switch. I think you really let this be the cement. I think this is the last time for a while that these two have a, a, a match. I think that their rivalry can end after this. We can move on to somebody else. But I think that WrestleMania was Bianca's crowning and SummerSlam should be her solidification. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a little torn on that. Um, you know, for, for the reasons you, you've you know articulated, um, there's something to be said for just as long as fans don't think you're being overpushed or prematurely shoved on their throat or you're getting preferential treatment for a corrupt or, or you know, nepotism or some reason, uh, sometimes just winning and being a winner and winning with grace and style and humility, but also knowing you're good. I mean, that sounds like something Bianca could pull off. And then the, the issue then becomes is WWE um, set up to give just give her a pipeline of opponents and that 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 work for her or is it just recycling the same three with a fourth novelty every now and then thrown in and maybe that can work too for her but if it's just you know charlotte bailey and sasha rotating against bel-air with a a a fait accompli challenger every once in a while who just visits the main events that might work but man it'd be nice to see just wwe double down and focus on just a parade of heels and protecting and building up heels uh, over time with a six-month and nine-month timeline to get them ready, where when they're ready, you look back and go, you know, in May, you look back and go, God, back in October, they started telling this story. And she just seems like somebody who might be worth it. I mean, she really has that that radiant star power that, when presented the right way, is, I think, kind of a generational centerpiece star that, you know, has everything WWE looks for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of like Bianca to hold on to that title for a year, a year and a half, you know, be yeah. one of those people that just synonymous with that title. But I, I agree with you in order for that to be meaningful and in order to 
have any reason for doing that, you do have to have that line of opponents. You have to have the ability that every, at least every three months, you think like, okay, she might lose it here. You know, otherwise it gets it gets stale, and yeah. and that's where it starts to feel like, oh, okay, they're just trying to create this thing as opposed to it being organic. Yes, precisely. All right, we talked about the Usos uh, staying on SmackDown here. Um, they take on Rey Mysterio and Dominic for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Uh, your thoughts on on what's going on with Rey and Dominic? The hints of I don't want to say dissension, but certainly seeds being planted for. You know, Ray being a, a, a tough dad, and is he being too tough, or is Dominic not handling his advice well? I don't know how we're supposed to feel yet, and I'm also not sure if this isn't just uh, just what we do in promos. We're not really going anywhere with it. Your, your thoughts on that? I mean, I've been ready for uh, Dominic to turn on Ray for months. You know, I think that that's the natural progression. I think it's the I think it's the the way to go. I think that building to Dominic versus Ray, it would be hilarious if Ray turned on Dominic instead of the other way around. Like that would actually be really interesting. But I think for Dominic's sake, you know, I, I, I feel maybe you go do like a mask versus hair or mask some kind of mask match and have Dominic win. Because I don't know, for me, like for the Mysterio legacy, I and not because Dominic's face should be covered. Like, that's not what I'm getting at at all. Like, you know, he's a he's a very handsome man. But I would like to see Dominic Mysterio in a mask. And, and, and not for any reason other than because of Lucha tradition. And I feel like seeing babyface Dominic next to his masked father, I'm like, well, that's not what Ray looks like. Ray has a mask on. That's I don't see the resemblance. I'd like to see Dominic with a mask on. And I don't know, maybe maybe Dominic beats Ray and then Dominic earns the mask. Maybe there's not a turn. You know, maybe Dominic just beats Ray and earns the mask cuz it'd be tough for him to still be a heel and wear the mask unless you wore it mockingly. That could be a good heel move. To have Dominic beat Ray, take his mask, and then start wearing the mask as like a disrespect to his father, but eventually evolve to it being a respect to the Mysterio legacy. Um, that could be cool. But yeah, either however you do it, like there's a million ways to do it. I would love to see Dominic. I, I would like to see the Mysterios lose the match, and and I would think have Dominic blame Ray for the loss. As opposed to maybe you just have Ray kind of giving him tough love after the match and then Dominic smacks him in the face. You know, maybe Ray takes the pin and Dominic attacks him. However you want to do it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I keep the championships all in the bloodline and I split up Ray and Dom. I, I just want to see Ray's future be a guy who stands at ringside and yells at wrestlers to keep their eye on their opponent and not what's happening at ringside or on the big screen. Like he did for Dominic last Friday. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. 
When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show was called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. I mean, if you want Dominic to be a babyface in this, and I, I think that that's less likely, um, you can't have Ray going, "Hey, Dominic, instead of turning your back on your opponent, you know, maybe you should pay attention." Because Ray's in the right on that, but it's all yeah. in the delivery. It's all in, you know. And so far, Dominic has been so accepting uh, and and respectful of his dad. Like, does Ray have to cross a line to get Dominic to snap, or is it going to come across that Dominic is? Not really sincere. He just knows how to placate his dad by acting like he's on his side. But, you know, we catch a moment, a little glimpse that he didn't know he was being filmed or what, or let his guard down where he tells his dad what he needs to hear. But deep down, he's kind of sick of him. And he is still, he is kind of the punk that a lot of people want the sons of famous wrestlers to turn out to be so they can boo them. Um, and so I, I like this. I mean, this I, I, I have high hopes. Uh, I'm guarded in terms of, you know, if they'll be fulfilled, but Dominic has shown me quite a bit. I mean, he, I don't think he should do the six one nine. I mean, he's terrible at it, but beyond that, he's, he's really done a ni- nice work from the beginning. He's got, you know, good size relative to Ray and the Usos. And, um, I think has an aptitude for this and sort of a, a sincerity and a presence that is, uh, older than his experience in a good way, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you could do a thing where it's like Ray Dominic has been accepting of the advice. Maybe Dominic takes the pin and Ray like gets in the ring to go like, oh, you made this mistake. You made this mistake. And that's when Dominic doesn't full on turn on him, but maybe shoves him and walks away because yeah. it's like one thing to take you, 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 you. And then maybe on on Friday they go, no, no, no. It was just bad timing, you know. Dominic was in a weird place because he had just lost, and and I came in with advice too quick, and Dominic was hot-headed, but we're cool, and then something else happens. No, 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 we're cool, we're cool, until Dominic goes, guess what, Dad? We're not cool. And then he he beats the stuffing out of him, and then then takes his mask and starts wearing it. I don't know, however you get there. uh, An eye roll, a big big huff exhale, and an eye roll. We'll go uh, further than even a... (laughs) like and then you catch him doing it but he doesn't want his dad to see and he kind of does a double take and he realizes the camera catches him but we get those little windows into what's really going on in his head i'm i'm calling for subtlety and deliberateness and take your time with this one anybody that has kids knows exactly what it is (laughs) yes (laughs) anyone who's been a kid or had siblings you know it's like yeah yes yeah that's real life it's friday all right, uh, Edge and Seth Rollins. Um, this uh, this again is a feud that is pulling from their history, uh, and you know it's 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 been a nice landing place for Edge uh, coming out of the Roman Reigns situation. Although I think he still owed a a match, uh, a fair chance. But uh, your your thoughts on on the the storyline aspect and then the performances from both Edge and Seth at this point? Uh, I love Edge and Seth. I wish they would have gotten more. I wish they would have gotten a little bit more time. 
you know, to flesh this thing out. I love that they started planting the seeds before the last pay-per-view and then hit it on the head at the end of the Roman Seth match. I love the way the last pay-per-view ended. That, like you left with Edge having a problem with Seth and Roman and John Cena and that was your visuals and it was like just this kind of very organic cohesive way to move into SummerSlam. Um so I really like that. I wish that there that they had a little bit more time on the smackdowns that have happened since Money in the Bank uh because I think that that there's more there's more juice to squeeze. I don't think we've gotten all of it yet. Um that said, I think this is one of those matches that original like like as soon as Edge returned and we found out he was going to be here for more than one match. Oh, what are the dream matches you want to see? Edge versus Seth Rollins. Edge versus Seth Rollins. I feel like this should be one of those career-making matches for Seth and a, a definitive moment for Edge's return and this this era of Edge's career. Um, the winning and the losing is where I start to really question myself because... Both guys need the win. And I think that that's another interesting part of this rivalry is that I think Seth needs the win to remind people that he's a main event level threat, right? Like we flirted a little bit with Roman versus Seth and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like Seth is, I don't want to say a full on uh, comedy character, but a lot of the and and I think that they've got to stop with the drip stuff only because John Morrison is doing it. Like, it drives me crazy that there's two guys saying drip and like Morrison has gone in on it 100 percent. And I think that it works more with Morrison is, you know, Morrison can afford to do more comedy stuff, I think. Whereas Seth, Seth to me is a is a is a is a, is a championship contender always. Um, that said, the suits are amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I go, OK, well, Seth needs the victory, right? But at the same time, Edge doesn't hasn't won matches. Like Edge lost at WrestleMania. Edge lost at Money in the Bank. Does Edge lose again to Seth Rollins? Maybe because you can do a rematch, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I I I think it's been interesting. I think it should be a classic. I wish that they've had gotten a little bit more time on television to sell this story. And, and part of all the things you bring up is what's next for them, especially post roster shakeup. You know, are you trying to position Edge to be a fresh challenger for Bobby Lashley? Are you going to save Edge for a rematch against, like, Roman Reigns at the Rumble or something? That a little something to the undercard, so to speak, of the Rumble. You know, what, what's in mind? Are you going to reunite him with Randy Orton as, you know, have, have that pairing come back? Because, you know, that's sort of a thing with Randy and a thing with Edge that you could have some fun with post-Riddle being elevated by being with Randy. And, and Riddle rejuvenating Randy's character to a degree, too, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and then with Seth, you know, are you positioning him to be a cha- uh, to feud with Drew McIntyre if Drew becomes champion again? Are you trying to build him up for whom? You know, for what top babyface? What, what is there for Seth? And if you think, well, there's more we need to do with Edge, and he's going to be in world title matches or top-tier feuds, then, you know, you put Edge over. But if you think you need to build up Seth because you got this, like, six-month trajectory for him in WrestleMania... Then you have Seth go over. I think it's sort of in that sense, like the finish isn't based on where we are today, but the where the available dates and the uh, matches that they have in mind for each wrestler. And the finish Saturday might give us a window into who's in for a bigger push. And if Edge is going to be kind of, I don't say moved down, but sort of moved over to something like teaming with Randy. Again, I'm just throwing that out there as a random thing that they could do. 
uh, where it's not a, a, it, it, wins and losses don't really matter anymore. You know, it's more about the dynamic between them. Whereas if you want to push Edge as a challenger to Lashley, well, you need Edge to win. I mean, he's got to beat Seth. Yeah, um, unless you're continuing on with Edge and Seth. Unless Edge and Seth is yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and actually, that's a good point because it, it really is large. If you're going to do two or three matches between these guys, right. then the finish Saturday doesn't really matter if they have a rematch. As, as you said, absolutely. It, the Saturdays isn't necessarily the, the defining factor. It's when the feud ends. How have yeah. they looked and how have they been positioned? Yep. And, and I think you got to keep in mind that if Extreme Rules is the next pay-per-view, then <laughs> odds are yeah. you got to have some like rematches with stipulations – is what that pay-per-view is all about. So I feel like out of all the matches on the show, this one and maybe the United States Championship match, those are the ones that really scream at me as potential rematch with a step matches. Very much. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30 plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of VIP exclusive podcasts that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com, subscribe to our VIP podcast feed, and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Hi, this is John Arezzi. Matt Memories, my wildlife in pro wrestling, country music, and with the Mets, is now available everywhere books are sold. Co-written by Greg Oliver, Matt Memories is the story of my roller coaster life. Learn the inside stories about my days as the host of the groundbreaking Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show and as the wrestling convention pioneer and dealmaker. I hold nothing back. Matt Memories, available now from ECW Press. All right, so that covers the SmackDown side of the ledger. Raw right now actually has uh, six matches compared to SmackDown's four. Um, let's uh, let's talk about them. We'll, we'll start with um, AJ Styles and Amis against Randy and Riddle because we're just talking about. Uh, I just brought up Randy a little bit and the Riddle dynamic. Um, what have you? What did you think about the reuniting of RK Bro on Monday? What this is doing for Randy? What this is doing for Riddle? Who's benefiting more? And then we'll get into Styles and Amis after that. Uh, I, I like that this is one of those, you know, and, and people people are quick to trash WWE for either not going with the fans or not realizing when they have something hot. Um, but I think that in order to do that, we also have to mention when they realize that they've struck gold. And the idea that the last two episodes of Raw, pretty much the entire shows have revolved around RK Bro, and justifiably so. Like, they figured out that Riddle and Randy are the best act 
on the entire show. I think Lashley is great, by the way. I think I, I've, I'm enjoying Lashley as champion, but I like Lashley and MVP, and I love RK Bro. And I, I, I think that they're amazing. The, looking at Randy Orton, basically from Royal Rumble 2020 until now, is kind of a, is remarkable because. Randy is at this place in his career where he kind of should be coasting. And there's a period of time, I feel like, during Randy's career where, where people kind of started to get, I not bored isn't the right word, but it started to feel repetitive. And maybe it was all the Randy Orton-John Cena matches over and over again. I don't know what it was, but it just felt like there was a period of Randy's career where a lot of it felt like stuff we had seen before with Randy. And it was just like, oh, it's it's the old, it's it's the tried and true. It's old, dependable. I mean, ironic that it's Randy Orton, but Randy Orton, always dependable for a great match and a good promo and a good story. And here we go. And it's like, okay, yep, I, I, I've been on this ride before. I feel like everything after that Royal Rumble with Randy in the main event has been, it's this third act that I didn't know Randy was even going to have. I feel like he really brought out the best in Drew McIntyre and made the most out of that Drew McIntyre title run. Um, I think the the stuff he did with Edge leading up to WrestleMania, and to me, I, the greatest wrestling match ever, I think is a misunderstood classic, which you'll either agree with me or mock me severely for saying, but it's one or the other, right? Um, and now with this RK-Bro stuff, I, I think it's just been so great to see Randy and like the subtleties that Randy is capable of pulling off with. I was in the, the discord room for my Patreon section of my wrestling podcast. And they were pointing out that Randy and Riddle were teaming at the house shows. A couple of them were at the house shows. And they're like, Randy and Orton were teaming at the house shows, but Randy turned on Riddle. And I said, not so fast. This was before this week's show. I said, Randy, dropped riddle with that RKO. But then the way he was smiling and shaking his head and had his hand on riddle, it wasn't, he didn't turn on him. It was almost like, come on, dude. I, you knew this was coming. I told you it was going to come. Like, I love you, buddy, but you knew I was going to RKO you. Like it was one of these things where, where Randy was able to do this in a way where it wasn't, him turning on his partner. It was this very subtle. I mean, I don't think that I, I think that riddle was a little off when he said Randy was just trying to teach him something, but Randy somehow RKO'd riddle with love last week on raw. Which yeah. I don't, most, most performers could not pull that off through his facial expressions, through what he was doing. I was so impressed with it. Um, in, in my raw report on pwtorch.com yeah. last Monday, I was like, it's weird. And I, led with this, I think, on the, on the post show, Arc, Randy Orton RKOing Riddle is not a heel turn. Like, no. And it's sort of like the stunner sort of become a thing you do, Kevin Owens sort of doing it now. Like, But with the RKO, there was a storyline there, and it sort of was, and I'm not sure, I mean, it, it works, I don't think, in, in a in a uh, abstract sense. I'm crazy about a killer move that can end any match also being sort of a thing you do for a pop for fun or to advance a storyline between friends. I have my issues with that. But this is a really well <laughs> a really effective version of it. And you have Riddle who is just this most, you know, forgiving of of rest of of 
personality types. You know, he wants RK Bro to be a team so bad. He wants Randy to be his friend so bad. He is willing to look past so many, you know, many things. Randy's history. Let's, I mean, imagine introducing somebody to Randy Orton's history and then going, yeah, but Riddle wants to be his friend. And you're like, what? Why would you anyone be friends with this guy? Um, but that's wrestling. You know, short memories. You hit the reset button. You got to have that, that flexibility. You don't have to, but, I mean, you, you do or you won't watch because it'll drive you nuts. Um, but Riddle is a guy where you're like, yeah, it, it's, why would you forgive someone giving an RKO like that and frame it as sort of your fault or a, a, ter- you know, a, a gesture of love? A lot of people in abusive relationships will do that. But I don't think Randy took it too far. And, but this was the week and that was the moment for Randy to turn and embrace Riddle. I'm actually kind of glad we had seven weeks without Randy in this sense. Had we, they might have dragged it out to the point where people lost respect for Riddle and wouldn't forgive Randy. And in this case, I think the this accelerated or kind of packed tight storyline here since Randy's return led to, I think, a, a turnaround time that made everybody seem reasonable. Randy reasonable for how quickly he embraced Riddle again and Riddle for not hanging on like Dewdrop is or Mizdow did for way too long. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think the timing on this has been good. I'd love to know where Randy was, but if you're not going to tell me, that's, I guess that's fine. I'm, I'm not obsessing over it. Um, and yeah, and I hope I it's also- something really, like, I hope it comes out someday. It's something really, really embarrassing, like a giant boil on his ass, and he couldn't, like, <laughs> it was just going to be obvious it was there, and he couldn't bump on it. Like, you know, all these conspiracy theories that are probably out there about a variety of things, and it's just something kind of embarrassing that he had to get over. You know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, and I think that or a big zit on his nose, and Randy's just faint. Like I'm not going back on TV till this thing is gone. <laughs> That's character killing. <laughs> I think that uh, I also think that Riddle. Like I started even before the Randy stuff. I feel like people were on Riddle's case for you know doing the kind of uh, stoner gimmick, and I felt like it was one of those gimmicks that should have been annoying. And in anybody else's hands would have been annoying. But I was like, Riddle is pulling this off. Like, Riddle is making this entertain- yep. entertaining. Yep. And then he got even way more entertaining when he started doing the RK Bro stuff. And, I like, I, I feel like we are watching a star coming into his own. Like, the, to me, and who would have thought? Like, because there was a period of time, and you know this, Wade, that, like, Matt Riddle was one of those names that you're like, he's great, he's perfect, and he'll just never be in WWE. It's just one of those things, he'll never be in WWE. When you're looking... He doesn't now, play the game the right way. They don't want a stoner. They don't want someone who doesn't say the politically correct things and play the corporate game. Yeah, and he's sitting there, and he's like, in a real-life way, he's pissed off Goldberg, he's pissed off Lesnar, he's pissed off Rollins because of his tweets or whatever. It's like... The guy gets heat and has the, he's almost like a Shawn Michaels. And Rob Van Dam combined. Yes, and <laughs> Rob Van Dam. And like, yes. but, but it's, and it's just like it shouldn't work and he shouldn't work, but he's so undeniable that I look at it and I'm like, dude, this is your guy. Like this, if you're going, who's our next star? Why don't we make stars anymore? Matt Riddle is... I, I, I could you I could sell my I've sold myself already on the idea that if you wanted to by next year's WrestleMania Matt Riddle could main event and become WWE champion. Like that's how highly I think of Riddle. I think that he's just 
and and he and he's everything WWE should want. Like he's he's young, he's athletic, he's big, he's in shape, he's relatable, he's funny, he's entertaining, and he's awesome in the ring. Like and he's unique. You know, he's one of a kind to use a Rob Van Damism. So and it's he's age thirty five. He's not twenty six. You don't get to play around for four years before you decide if he's worthy yes. or you can trust him. Yes. It's like. WWE doesn't have a deep enough roster of top guys. It's like you gotta you gotta go with people when they're ready, regardless of whether you think they're gonna you know be fully appreciative or handle it well. You know, like deal with that two years from now when you got you know when you got someone else in the pipeline, but seize the moment and go with them now. Yeah, but go with them now. And you're right; you made a great point because I said he's young, meaning that you've got a few years that you can have him be your top guy. But you're right. He's not young in the sense that like, okay, let's wait a while and just see how he pans out. And I don't even like that story anyway. I think if you've got a 26 year old that's hot, make him a main eventer. Like I, I'm so, I, I, if I never have to see another documentary about a guy who, you know, waited around for 10 years before coming into his own, it's like, everybody's got this same story. And I don't like that story. Like I've heard, it's the story of everybody. I'm, I'm not convinced that there aren't 26-year-olds that could be in the main event. Absolutely. I, I'm, I, I agree, and there were old rules, and sometimes you follow them too long. But at this point, it's like, just make some money and make the fans happy, even if you got to grit your teeth a little bit over the fact that you're giving somebody that level of a push and that level of income before they have suffered and toiled in frustration for years and we'll test them to see if they will show the right attitude and show up to work with a smile on their face as we job them out and don't communicate why to them like just stop playing those games whatever's going on with Karrion Cross, for instance and I'm not a big booster of Karrion Cross and his upside and his potential but he's one of their better options to get something out of now and you need somebody's now um to to be credible opponents to to you know, ultimately lose, but but seem like a threat to some of your top tier stars. So yeah, Riddle on a good course. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. How about the push of Amos? Because we talk about Riddle's upside, and I seem to remember Amos just tossing him around and, and pinning him. 
And on Monday, he tossed around Randy Orton, and the announcer like, he Randy had no chance against this guy. They are pushing Amos hard in terms of the wins and the physicality and the announcers talking him up. Are what you is? Do you have to do that with somebody that big? And what is the upside of Amos at this point? What is he showing you? And yeah, like where, where's this headed? You know, I I I wasn't sold on Amos on site uh, just because you know I I think that we've seen more of the sort of big guys who are just big guys be not great than be great. You know, I I, I think that there's a, a grand tradition of physically imposing specimens that once they get in the ring ruin the illusion. Um, but man, I really like Almas. I I I, I like that that he's being protected as much as he is. Uh, I think that he, he, he looks imposing. I think that everybody is doing a really good job and he's doing a really good job of highlighting what he's good at and, and not doing what he's not good at. I think there was one match maybe with the Viking Raiders where he was selling a little bit more than he should have. Um, and they've kind of, I, and I think that they saw that and I was like, this doesn't, I don't like it when he sells. And I think that maybe WWE felt the same way because I haven't really seen him sell much since then. And I don't think he should be selling, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he's uh, there, there's a I don't know if it's, it's not like a likability. There's a, but there's some kind of attractiveness to him where it goes beyond just like, oh, look how big this guy is. When, when, like, when Randy says, oh, I, I've heard from people that he's. A, a jerk or whatever he said it's like so far i haven't really seen that like i i imagine i talked about this on the raw post show last night i i see him on the course in not too long breaking up with aj and being that baby face smiling almost andre the giant like in the way that he's portrayed as the smiling guy next to the you know next to you know caleb braxton towering over her on an interview and just the jolly giant who's there to be the mystery tag partner for a babyface in need against these dastardly heels. I think that's kind of his destination, but they're going through this this phase first where he's you know beating a bunch of babyfaces, who I think, not too far down the line, will be teaming with him, and then he won't be asked to sell. He'll be the guy who gets the hot tag and the fans pop, and he you know tosses them around and the heels bump for him. Uh, I think that that's highly probable. I hope they don't rush there, to tell you the truth, you know, because I, I, I think that there's still more to be done here. Um... But I, I, I think that there's that, that there's a strong likelihood that he gets there. I mean, I also have heard, only heard, like, the best things about him as a human being. Like, I, I have not, in real life, not heard from one person that doesn't like the guy. And, and that uh, comes across. That's kind of, there's an affability yeah. to him. He seems, it's, like, Aff- hard for him. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Likeability was not the right word, but affability was the right word. It seems like... It seems like he's really making an effort. Like, it seems like as a fan, you're watching and you're like, okay, this guy really wants to be good. Like, he doesn't just want to get by on his size. He wants to be good. And I feel like in a subtle way, those of us that are really watching closely to everything, the way that his opponents react to him, specifically what the New Day did for him at WrestleMania, makes me feel like there is an investment in seeing him succeed. And I don't think that that's just done selfishly. And in this era, maybe back in the day, you'd go, well, everybody just sees green with him, man. They just want to make money. 
I don't think younger wrestlers think as much that way. Everybody wants to make money. But I think that there's a lot more these days, just because societally, this is where we're at. This is what this generation does. They want the people that they like to succeed. They see the fact that they can make money with them, obviously. They see the fact that how great is it going to be to have a guy who's a legit seven-foot monster that's on our roster that we actually like hanging out with. And they they want – it feels like the rest of the roster wants to see him do well. And as a fan, that makes me want to see him do well. So I'm I'm very, very high on almost, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I took a similar journey from you. You know, I mean, you heard, oh, he's just not coming along. You know, it's like, but there's a reason they stuck with a guy who's yeah. as – I, I, I don't want to say inept because that implies he's screwing everything up, but so just, I mean, the word is overused, but limited. Like, there's just not a lot they're asking him to do. And sometimes when they ask him to do something, it's like, oh, that's pushing his limits? That's not good. Um, he's so carefully protected in what they ask him to do, including even in, la- in, in uh, uh, last night's match. I mean, like, you know, a test of strength and sort of a body slam and uh, uh, avoiding a charge in the corner and then whipping Randy over the barricade. And they talked about him like he had just done these most amazing things, you know? And it was like, no, it was very limited. So they're they're making up for his limitations and his, you know, not every talk. It happens in basketball, too. How many, you know, Michael Oloba candies have their bed? Just people who, you know, were tall, but they just weren't gifted athletes at the at the sport that they were dropped into because of their size or their height. And that happens in the NBA less often now with the change in the game, you know, with, with it's less positional, but, um, Amos is a guy who he has so much going for him, you know, the affability, the, 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 the he just kind of jumps off the screen. It has some star power to him. Not all big guys do at his height. And then of course he's crazy tall and he's got a good natural physique, but athletically, Oh, it's It's, it's like, it's tough. Um, so you can tell you're right. They're very behind him. He's very much a project and they believe in him. And I think he has shown me enough in all the intangible and concrete ways, as limited as he is in the ring, that he is worth what they're doing with him. And I, I, I see what Vince McMahon sees in him as a project worth sticking with. And I think in, in you were saying, you know, people like him, you know, from everything you hear, uh, that goes a long way. You know, be, being likable and having people root for you when you have some limitations otherwise can, can go a long way, too. So I, I like you at first, was like, oh, God, you know, really? It, it, NXT couldn't even do anything with them. You're calling them up, and you're sacrificing New Day to them and Riddle to them and, in a way, Orton to them. Yeah, but, eh. It, Vince McMahon likes a diverse roster, and I don't think somebody with, with the upside of Amis, the boxes he is checking, actually comes along all that often. I would agree. Yeah, I think... Uh... I, I I think things have gone right. And, like, to me, I get the criticism of sacrificing this person or sacrificing that person. But there's no reason to have a guy who is there to do what almost is due, uh, that almost is there to do and not sacrifice these people to him. If you're not going to sacrifice these big names to him, then what do you like? What, why is he why is he there? Well, yeah, there, that, he's not being Vera or Shanky or or yeah. Chad Gable. Like yeah. you're 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 saying you're sending a smoke signal to the fans, a dog signal to the fans. This guy's a novelty for the mid card, but when he's beaten up these main event acts, I mean, you are sending that signal, whether fans think it overtly or it's just you know it just kind of resonates with them unconsciously. This is a big deal. He's a, he's he's a main event guy, and they have him in the main event mix. AJ, I think was a brilliant person to team him with, obviously, because Amos can 
interact with a pro. I mean, AJ is one of the more high IQ guys right now in terms of in-ring, but also on the microphone. Um, and and so for him to just be able to carry Amos, you know, at first it seemed like a joke. Let's make fun of how short AJ is. And it's not. It, it, I mean, height, AJ's height is helpful to accentuating Amos's height. But when you're portraying this guy as the tallest guy ever, it's not. there's no shame to stand and be shorter than him. And AJ never, you know, got by on his height. But to have the guy who can take all the bumps and do all the work and also on the mic help carry Amos and Amos just reacts to him, I think is a really smart decision by uh, WWE. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that it, I mean, it combines, it, it lets AJ uh, rest a little, not, you know, rest isn't the right word, but but rest his body up a little bit and also allows him to use his skill set to make almost even better. I, yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's all, I think it's all very good with those guys. And and yeah. the fact that, you know, I, I between AJ, Amos, Riddle, and Orton, it's like, what's not to like about those four? Exactly. Well, so what do you do in this match? Is this another match that you where you do a rematch at Extreme Rules? You don't want to do too much of that, um, where it seems like it's, you know, part one to be continued, you know, back to the future part two. And now in a few months in theaters, you can see what happens. But... Orton and Riddle have some momentum as RK bro, but there's so many. I mean, there's so many stories you can tell with both pairs, and it feels fresh and new. I don't think it, this is the match that has to be kind of conclusive when we move on by any means. Uh, no, I don't think this is a conclusive match. I do think that this is one of those moments. I think that it's SummerSlam. SummerSlam is an important show, especially for wrestling fans. You got a stadium full of people. This is the pull the trigger moment. This is the feel good moment. This is RK Bro. Like after everything we've been through with them, it's something that I think people are really invested in. I think Saturday is the day that you pull the trigger and RK Bro wins the match, and they're on the same page, and it's a feel-good moment with Randy and Riddle, and that's what you get. And and I still think you can go to Extreme Rules and have AJ and almost in some kind of stipulation that really favors almost try to win the tag title back. Um, but I think that I think it, I think it would be nice to have the feel good moment between those two uh, at SummerSlam. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! All right, uh, moving on. Sheamus, Damian Priest, U.S. title. I think Sheamus has had a great, like, 10 months or 8 months, whatever it's been, since his comeback. Um, although it's been a little less 
in ring lately since the the the, the face injury. Um, and then Damian Priest is really interesting. We talk about guys in their mid thirties, maybe late thirties for him, who are you know you kind of got to make a decision. You know where are they going to be on the card? Is this kind of the, the the time you need to give Damian a win over a guy like Sheamus, or do you think they actually think more about what they need out of Sheamus lately, and and they need him to retain against Priest, or is there some other rationale or option going into this that would be a consideration? Uh, no, I think Damian Priest is in a not terribly dissimilar boat from like RK Bro and from uh, Bianca Belair. Um, was at WrestleMania. I'm a huge Damian Priest fan. I'm all, I'm with you on Sheamus, by the way. I think he's been stellar uh, in the last ten months. All that said, uh, I I think that. Damian Priest has been flirting with kind of being a star since WrestleMania, you know, and 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 he had that big moment at WrestleMania tag match with Bad Bunny, but that it's just since then it's been so much of just proving that he's a better wrestler than John Morrison that we haven't we haven't gone all the way to say like okay, yep, he's he's one of the next big guys. And, you know, I think that much like the I see RK Bro is having their crowning achievement. I, I think that Damian Priest needs to get his. I think that when you look at Monday Night Raw, it would be really great to see Monday Night Raw and the big stars are like, instead of it being guys that we've seen forever, it's like really like letting SummerSlam be the moment that. Yes, Lashley is the top guy, and I guess you could say he's been there forever, but I feel like the fact that he finally has the title, this is a different version of Lashley and something people have been waiting for, and to me it feels fresh. But I think if it's like you're going, you want Raw to be like Lashley, rated RK-Bro, or not rated RK-Bro, but (laughs) Lashley, RK-Bro, Nikki Ash, Damian Priest, and like, Faces and you know, like Nikki Ash, obviously, in this version of Nikki Cross, is a fresh face. But just like all these fresh faces making Raw seem kind of new and vibrant, I think that Raw could really benefit from that. And I think that Damian Priest is uh, is a huge, huge part of that. A big thing for Damian is he's just got to show me he can have a match that I could imagine, or his role in the match, even if the hype and the framework isn't there. His role in the match could headline a pay-per-view. And mm-hmm. and that's a test, you know, like I, I mentioned this last night too. Matt Morgan never really passed that test for me. Like he had a lot of tools, you know, kind of he's kind of a you know, not quite almost like, not type, type not exactly Damian Priest like, kind of in between him, but like he had a lot of athleticism and he was a smart guy, articulate on the microphone. He could definitely talk, maybe a little too fast sometimes, but um and he could do a lot of moves. He probably did too many moves. But like in Impact and in TNA, when he got a pay-per-view made event, it's like, eh. Okay, I mean, maybe, but I wasn't sold, and then, and then just kind of pulled the rug out before it could like last much longer. It didn't. I can't remember how why it didn't last for a while. But with Damien, like, I haven't had that moment where I'm like, oh yeah, this is a guy that I can absolutely imagine just being in the number one match. And for a lot of reasons, you just talked about, you know, what he's been doing hasn't a lot given him that space. Well, Sheamus has had such a good run uh, this over the past near year, and I, I just want to see Priest step up, and that's the match. I hope that gets more, even if time is tight, even if they do limit themselves to three hours and they don't go longer for SummerSlam, because this feels like a four-hour show to me, just talking through it, mm-hmm. um, or at least three, three, four, you know, at least three and a half, three forty. I want this match to get, you know, thirteen to fifteen minutes, not six to eight. I, I think this is a chance to, to to test Priest. 
Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think this, yeah, this needs to be a real legitimate match to show what Priest can do. Yeah, I think that that, because you could, you know, you could have Priest win quick to be like, well, look how dominant he is. But I don't think that that will sell most fans on the idea of Priest as a potential future top guy. Because John Cena went through that. You know, 18 years ago, we were talking about, well, they I think they're going to push him as a top guy. He's got this going for him. But do I want to watch a pay-per-view main event with him in it? And, mm. you know, I don't know if it was the Edge feud that cemented it but or, or what. I, I don't have a, enough recall to remember what kind of the stepping stones were. But certainly Edge and then, you know, was, was that moment where you're like, okay, I can see this guy main eventing and being the bigger star and the better wrestler in pay-per-view main events I want to watch. And that's a true test of a top guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alexa Bliss, Eva Marie. Um your your thoughts on Eva, Dewdrop, and and what they've done with Alexa post Fiend. I mean, bro, you see that doll wink? Oh, is that what Dewdrop was reacting to? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. you know, God bless them all. That's what I, God God bless all of them. Um, you know, it it kind of is what it is. I feel like it's a little bit of the uh, the sort of Fiend with all the nuance stripped away a little bit of it, and 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 we've gone into Goofyville a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. This is one of those matches that I think can be quick. I I, I would imagine we'll get we'll, some maybe maybe Dewdrop will turn on Eva Marie. I don't know. I've already booked a lot of feel good moments, so maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I I feel like you'll probably get the the doll doing something, and then Dewdrop runs away, and then Eva needs her help, but she's not there because she ran away because the doll did something, and then Alexa Bliss will get the pin, right? That sounds yeah. right, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, Alexa Bliss is a really good performer, and I, I I'm yeah. not sent. I mean, she's doing a good job with what she's being given. I just don't think she's super inspired by the material right now. I don't think she has a real clear idea of what she's going for. You know, I mean, even Marie, it's clear. You know, she's a jerk, and Dewdrop is a uh, hanger-on who, you know, is putting up with more than she should. Um, and, we, you know, we don't know why. We might never know why, even though she showed a spine early that kind of went away. Um, but with Alexa, it's like, what is she? Why is she? What's her purpose? What are her goals? What university do you live in? It's just, if you're going to do this otherworldly thing like The Fiend did, you got to go all in and be really seem invested in, in, in nuance and layering. And that's just not there right now. The, the Lily doll and the groan-inducing special effects aren't enough to carry this right now. Yeah, well, and I think the confusion lies in, who are we cheering here? Are we Are we cheering for Alexa because she's, competing with Eva Marie or are we still invested in seeing Dewdrop be freed of, of having to deal with Eva Marie? I, I, I don't because the Eva Marie Dewdrop thing is still so new and hasn't fully been explained I don't really think um, you know I, at one point like Dewdrop is leaving Eva Marie's side and then the next week not anymore uh, so you know, I, I, I think that I'm having trouble knowing exactly who I'm relating to in in this one. Yeah. All right. We won't torture anyone by 
delving into this more. We'll let we'll see if they can flesh this out more and and move. And more I, by the way, I think you make a great point about Alexa Bliss. For the record, like yeah. I, I that needs to be said every time this stuff comes up. That like Alexa's very good. She's extremely extremely good at, as a performer. I, I both I think that I think that she's great in the ring, but I think that that you know she really shines uh, at doing as much as any person could with uh, with this material. Yeah, yeah. And and committing to it and really trying. She really oh, yes. really makes an effort. And and uh, shout out to Lily too. She does a really good job for playing the role of a doll who's you know has very little is asked of her, but when she does it she's very committed. I mean the, I got real scared. The it the doll winked. <laughs> yes. I saw it. It winked. You know, we have on site correspondents who who saw it in the building. Oh no they didn't <laughs> Now through Patreon, you can get the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed and VIP after shows by supporting us on Patreon with a Tier 1 membership for just $4.99 per month. You can also upgrade to get additional bonus content, including all the VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletters through Patreon. Check out details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com Slash PW Torch VIP. So let's stay in the women's division here. Uh, Nikki ASH, Charlotte, and Rhea Ripley, triple threat for the women's championship. Uh, what's your prediction here? We'll kind of work our way uh, work our way backwards from that. Is this just let's get the belt on Charlotte and move forward? Is this you know solidify Ripley? Um, with the title again, we had a little sidebar with Nikki, but it's time to just get behind Ripley as a lead baby face because we're going to do a shakeup soon enough. Um, what are the options here? Do they keep it on Nikki and, and just, you know, fine. And then we get another month of various incarnations of these three against each other before they have some extreme rules match. I mean, I, so it's interesting because I still think that Rhea Ripley has not been fully defined on the main roster. Um, in terms of her motivations and, and all that. Uh, I personally, as much as like, I mean, I, I adore Charlotte. I, I think Charlotte is the best. I don't want to see Charlotte win the title again because I don't want to see Charlotte lose the title again. You know, it just, it, it, it happens so often now that like I, I, I want to take a break from it because I don't want to have if, if you tell me that she's going to win it and hold on to it for a really long time, then maybe I can go with you on that. But I don't believe you anymore. And because I don't believe you anymore, I think it makes all this a little bit less effective. All this. When I say all this, I mean, Charlotte winning the title. Um, I feel like and I know that you get conflicting reports depending on like uh, what markets you're in for house shows. But I don't know. I was extremely skeptical of the Nikki Ash character when it started. And I mean, talk about people that are trying to make it work. I'm on Nikki Ash's side on this one. And I, I want to see this work if for no other reason than for her sake, I suppose. Um, I feel like it I'm, I feel like it can work, you know, and maybe I'm insane. But I, I feel like the Nikki Ash thing, because of Nikki's commitment, you know, there are little things that kind of annoy me. Like, I, I wish that Nikki wouldn't 
I wish you would say, I know you don't think I can, but I really think I can, as opposed to saying, I know you don't think I can, and it's okay if I can't. Like there's that, that's to me is a, is a huge, huge difference. And, and, and that doesn't connect for me. Um, but I, I want to see them try with this Nikki Ash thing. I, I, I want to see them try with the superhero. I, I think that it is something that can work and can work for kids. I think that, I mean, I would love to see Nikki doing like all of her media and stuff in the full gimmick. Uh, and explaining, you know, this superhero thing and everything. I just, I, I, for me, if I were there, I would advocate for Nikki to win this thing and finally win it clean. And, you know, maybe show that she doesn't just win flukes and, and, you know, and, and she doesn't just win because of luck that she can actually win matches and that she is a real, you know, kind of respectable superstar. I think if they peel her away from the title scene, um, and that can happen in a variety of ways that isn't just defining her down, but is, is Eva Marie and Dewdrop against Nikki kind of set up personality-wise with Eva just talking down to Nikki um, and, and Dewdrop being you know the worker who can have some good matches with Nikki and maybe the dynamic of Nikki trying to pull Dewdrop away from Eva. I, I, I just, I, when I look at what they're doing with Eva and Alexa, it does, it's not a great fit. And when I look at Nikki mixing with Charlotte and Ripley, I think it's kind of played out. But I think you can stick with Nikki, but in a non-title match situation, which I think is the source of some of the pushback against her in some of the markets, is we like you, but not that much. Or we like you, but not in this context. And, you know, we like you, we like you in this context, but not this character that you're playing in the context of a title. It's a little too much too soon, but... Opposite of Eva Marie, with Nikki trying to get Dewdrop to see that she doesn't have to be treated that way, I could see Nikki's earnestness playing well off of that. So I'm, I'm wondering if we're not pretty close to just shifting to that, and Alexa just ends up, you know, doing something completely different. I I think that would be a great shift. Personally, again, I, and I get why people would disagree with me. I'm totally fine with people disagreeing with me on that one. But I I I think that you could still do that rivalry with the title involved, like, and I know you're you, like, you know, none of the acts involved necessarily are the first that come to mind when you're like, who should get the next title shot? But, you know, it might also not be the worst thing in the world to get some fresh blood in the title picture. If you're going to have, if these are the women that you're going to have on the roster, you know, I'd like to believe that they'd be in contention and maybe Charlotte and Rhea go away from the title scene for a little bit. And it, and it opens up so that, we can see if we can believe in some other women as title contenders. All right. Uh, moving to Drew McIntyre. Once the guy we thought was going to be the centerpiece of Raw post Thunder Nomera, taking on his uh, old buddy and current on-air rival, Jinder Mahal, with Viren Shanky, barred from ringside thanks to his, his decisive win. Um, it, Drew's been kind of shifting around. Uh, last night we saw him speak about... Or, or interact with the fans again and try to get the fans going. That seems to be what Drew wants to do. Um, and it's better than, I think, the story time stuff that he was doing that people push back against. He still all of a sudden feels like a guy trying to find himself. And I think Drew gets a little a little off, out of his comfort zone when he's just not the Alpha centerpiece babyface. And he's not right now. He's not the, the jump scene that took that spot from him as soon as they came back to live audiences. And I'm really curious in an alternative universe if Drew was a guy who just stood center ring and said, welcome back. What a year we've had. What a year I've had. 
and was sort of, you know, just the head coach or whatever leader of Raw addressing the situation and where he'd be different. I think, you know, once the roster's shaken up, um, you know, maybe he's over on SmackDown opposite of Reigns and, and, and it's just, you know, it's kind of a hitting a reset button. But I, he's going to get cheered against Jinder because it's Jinder. But it doesn't feel like I, – I worry that Drew's getting defined down a little bit with this sidebar, but I don't know that I have a lot of other options. If you have access to Cena, you got to bring him in. And who else is there on the Raw roster for Drew to feud with? So I don't know. I have mixed feelings, but I just – separating myself from the reality of the situation, I just felt like Drew deserved better than what the, what he's where he is right now heading into SummerSlam, um, coming back into in front of live crowds. Your thoughts? I mean, I kind of look at it differently, I think. I think I look at this as an opportunity for Drew to almost reprove himself in front of an audience. You know, I think that he spent so much time as champion during the pandemic era that and and so much uh, some of it was questionable in terms of uh, storytelling that I think that the fans did not feel the same way about him as a character that they did. Uh, going into WrestleMania 36, for example. Um, I, I think that the best thing for Drew is to reestablish himself as a top babyface and and get back to a place where the fans are actively asking that he be the person in the main event. You know, I, I, I think we have to get back to a place where fans want to see Drew in that title picture in that hunt and are saying like why isn't he in that hunt why isn't he in that hunt and that's when you give him you give that back to to them you know um so for me i i think that this is uh actually a a decent rivalry i think jinder mahal is like criminally underrated i think jinder mahal uh, people don't i people i feel the same way about jinder mahal that i do about baron corbin and i think the people feel the same way about jinder mahal that they do about baron corbin but I think no, I'm not one of them. I'm a I am a fan of Corbin, and uh-huh. I'm still waiting for a Jinder Mahal match that that an audience of fans get invested in, um, or a yeah. promo that an audience of fans get invested in. Like Jinder feels a little too old school and, and cardboard cutout heel, two dimensional. I think he's good at it, but I think he belongs in like 1982. Um, and Baron Corbin, I think, has range, especially in front of an audience and in the ring, is more exciting and, and more credible. Um, and more nimble against a different variety of opponents. So there, there. I'm, I'm throwing my, I'm interrupting you to say I, I am uh, someone who, who likes is as a bigger proponent of one than the other. Right. Well, that's, but that's to say you know exactly what I'm saying. Um, I, 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 and I've really just noticed this recently. Like I just feel like when I watch Rob, Jinder really gets those organic boos. Like he's getting, like the audience is giving him the reception that he wants. And I feel like Drew is getting an excited response as the audience watches him beat up Jinder Mahal or Jinder Mahal's lackeys. Um, and I think that that's the most you can ask for right now out of, out of that. That's the story that you want told. Um, you know, I think that ultimately this is a, a good spot for Jinder for sure. And this ends up being a stepping stone where, where, you got a big bad guy for Drew to beat, and he beats him, and everybody's happy. And hopefully, you move on to you move on to somebody else after SummerSlam, so it's not it doesn't start to feel stale. Oh. 
Aloha, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! It is uh, Drew McIntyre in one of the top like four matches at WrestleMania next year? Great question. Um, I, uh, let's, or maybe top three men's matches. Um, you know, like either one of the two world title matches or the, kind of the top non-world title match among the men. I mean, it really depends on how everything goes, right? You know, I, I could easily see Drew McIntyre getting moved over to SmackDown to start a serious rivalry with Roman Reigns. And I could see the Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns rivalry being very successful. And I think it would be very interesting because in some eras, you'd have somebody move over to the other roster and really the point was to get them over. But this would feel much more like, we don't know, maybe Drew will go over Roman. Maybe not. Let's see how the fans react once we get the two of them squared up. Um, You know, I think the taste that we got at Survivor Series last year showed you, like, it, it it was a different environment when McIntyre and Reigns were in there together. Uh, that's what I see for McIntyre. I don't know if I see that at WrestleMania or if I see that leading towards WrestleMania. That might be what I see at the Royal Rumble in terms of the title match at the Royal Rumble as opposed to Drew winning the Royal Rumble again or somehow, you know, getting to the main event of WrestleMania. Um I think he'll have a, 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 a decent match at WrestleMania. I just don't know. I, I don't. I yeah. I, I I don't know. Yeah. What? By the way, what's the what's the SummerSlam champ versus champ match, or do they drop that this year because it's inconvenient? You mean Survivor Series? Well, oh, what did I say? SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Yeah. Oh, they shouldn't have two pay per views with double S's in it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> mark for edit. Um, what do you see the main event at Survivor Series being this year in terms of the champ versus champ? Um. Like, do you obviously. do Lashley and Reigns? Like, do you give that away? I mean, obviously Goldberg versus Roman Reigns, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, then to him next? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Lashley versus Reigns is the way to go. You know, you can do a double heel thing. You can, yeah, I, I'd like to, I, 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 I'd be okay doing Lashley versus Reigns. And, and, you know, you might have to figure out a creative way to end the thing so that neither one of them loses, but that's probably where I would go. At the moment, if you ask me today, which you did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's post it's post roster reshuffling and who knows. But right. I, to me, I don't think you do Lashley versus Reigns in a match where it's not one guy chasing the other one for the title and there's a whole storyline behind it. You just do it because it's the time of the calendar year to do it. I think you want to save that. You know, save well, it for... I, I, I felt that way about McIntyre versus Reigns. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's kind of what would uh, shifted my opinion. I said, "Well, I did McIntyre versus Reigns." <laughs> yep. So uh, we'll wrap up here. Bobby Lashley defending against Goldberg um, mm-hmm. is 
I mean, the, the way it's framed, uh, I want to do this for my 15-year-old son so he can see me in person and not on a screen. Um, and that's great. And, you know, Goldberg's Goldberg. He does what he does. He looks like Goldberg. Uh, but Lash, I don't think Lashley should be losing to Goldberg under any circumstances to tell a short-term some you know rematch storyline or anything like that. Uh, is there a scenario, though, where Goldberg does win and WWE tries to get a little more a little more out of Goldberg by giving him the credibility of a win and MVP and Lashley throw a fit and then we go to extreme rules and, and Lashley gets it back. Does that Would that disrupt or screw up what they've got going with Lashley right now as sort of a dream opponent for Lesnar and Reigns if they want him to be? I mean, it's WWE. There is always a chance that Goldberg is going to win. Like it, to go in and go like, well, Goldberg is definitely not going to win. It's the only way to guarantee that Goldberg is winning. Like we've, we've seen it too many times. Um, all that said, I think that this version of Goldberg, today's Goldberg, even more so than the Goldberg of like three or four years ago, I, I feel like this has to be his last run. This has to be his last contract. And I believe that the purpose Goldberg serves now is to lose, is to lose matches. There is absolutely no reason for him not to lose matches. I want to see Lashley roll over Goldberg like I want to see him just destroyed and who knows you know maybe in five years Goldberg's son can show up I mean he's already <laughs> like I mean the physical change in Goldberg's son is remarkable I mean he's already an athlete it's 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 unbelievable from where uh where we saw him a few years back um but yeah no I, I I'd like to see I'd like to see Lashley destroy Goldberg at SummerSlam. I think that that is, that's the only move. I think that you want to have two just fiercely dominant champions on each brand. I, I am I am with you, and then I want to see uh, Gage just, um, when Goldberg loses, throw his hands up and walk out on his dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dominic goes, I told you, they're not good for anything. I know, uh... Dom. Um, I did yeah. love. I love when we tried to flex, take Dana Brooks gimmick and flex his biceps proudly. They like cut away immediately last night on Raw. <laughs> no, we don't do that here. Scott Hall stopped any flexing from going on. Um, he made that passe that's been a rule Vince has stuck with. Other than Dana Brooke, because it's so adorable how proud she is of her biceps, but no one else gets to do it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that that this is Goldberg's spot, and I think that there's room. I think if if Goldberg wins against Bobby Lashley, I think it will exhaust people even more on Goldberg. Like, come on. Uh-huh. But I think, it, I think if Goldberg loses, then it actually opens the door for maybe, like, one more Goldberg match. It's like he comes out, it's a big name, It's a, people get interested, and then, you know, you'll be okay because you'll think maybe he'll lose. Um, I don't know who that match would be against right now, you know, he I spears Amis and bounces off of him, and then Amis gives him the the, the claw slam. I would love it if Amis. <laughs> I would absolutely adore that. Maybe Big E gets his match against Goldberg finally. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, but really. yeah, I really like I really like the idea of Bobby Lashley coming out dominant and beating Goldberg. You know, I think it's the move. It is sad that Big E's not more in the conversation for SummerSlam. Well, he's got to get his briefcase back. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> is that legal? Does this count? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there is only so much you can put on SummerSlam. You know, they're already pushing, pushing the, the the barricades there, but of how much they can fit on. But just in general, like you know, Biggie, 
split them up with New Day, and let's. I, I hope this is the fall of Big E, and they can find a way to parlay his quirkiness into something that that fans take seriously and see as somebody who could be in a main event match that that they'd care about. And and can see, you know, like I said, that's a test. You know, can you be the best wrestler in a pay per view main event match, or at least a you know always step up and 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 deliver in a way where you're like, yeah, that was a good final match, and you know. I, I want to see Biggie show that in the ring, being given the chance to show that in the ring against a few opponents, and so we can kind of test what what his limits are. Because I I just feel like they have to find him down lower than that in how, and he has too in terms of you know his his own proclivities towards being weird. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's a way to there's I think there's a way to kind of frame that, parlay it, tweak it into something that can work main event. But we got to see sixty five percent serious dude with you know who who is just tough enough to get away with being a goof and instead he just seems like a goof who doesn't take life seriously and it's hard to get behind somebody at a main event level you know at a true main event level like that including i think Vince McMahon might feel that way so I, i'm curious about biggie's journey in the next uh, next few months yeah same cool um so uh seems like a compelling show on paper um we, we talk about this often sam but is, is it just obvious they close with rain cena i would have to imagine yes yeah I don't know what they open with. I wouldn't, I mean, mm. Bel Air Sasha, because now the opening match is prestigious on a kind of dual brand show, or do you just start with Edge's music and the crowd goes nuts? Uh, or do you do more traditional, uh, like a tag team match with Usos? And some of that depends on, you know, just the booking of the finishes and how they want the ebb and flow of the crowd to go. Or do you just kind of have a true opener, like Drew and Jinder, where, you know, Big Star comes out, he gets a decisive win, hopefully over Jinder, and, you know, fans cheer, and it's just sort of a warm-up. I, I think they have a lot of options for how to kind of set the tone at the start. Yeah, if it were up to me, I was thinking the same thing about Drew and Seth. Either Sasha and Bianca or... I mean, not not Drew and Seth, Edge and Seth. Either yeah. Sasha and Bianca or Edge and Seth are probably one of those two matches. Edge and Seth know. might be too intense. Like, it might be too good. True. And then you got to follow it up with, like, you know, two come-down matches. Sheamus and Damian Priest, maybe. That feels like a true opener, but it also feels like it might, unfortunately, be put in the spot to sort of be padding between matches that mean more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm into the art of, you know, it's like I like albums, not just songs. Like, I like to know, mm-hmm. I, I like to think what's the order that they, I, I like when, when, when Rampage came out, I, like, reviewed four times, like, the order of the wrestlers that appeared. When a press release came out advertising Rampage, like, what names did they put first? Who got buried in the middle? And so, to me, like, match order is a choice that a thought is put into, and it has meaning, and it, it, it's a tell sometimes about how management feels about match quality and the wrestlers themselves and all of that. So, you know, certainly they're not going to put Reigns in the opener because he's the main event guy, you know, that, that they're protecting him. So that stuff matters. So, But it, it does seem like they could go a lot of different directions with, with this show other than Roman, Reign, Roman and Cena has to end it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Been a blast, Sam. As always, uh, tell people again how they can... Uh, hear more from you, including your SummerSlam preview show. Yes, Not Sam Wrestling is the podcast. Just search Not Sam Wrestling wherever you get podcasts. You'll find it. You can also search Not Sam on Peacock, and you can watch the first season of the Not Sam Wrestling show that I produced for WWE. Uh, I love it. It's just a very fan point of view show, and there's nothing really like it on the WWE Network because I produced the entire thing myself. <laughs> I, Has it been fun? Don't, don't, yeah, I don't exactly know how I got away with it, to tell you the truth, but I did. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, yeah, feel free to watch it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and follow me on all social media at NotSam. Thanks so much, Sam. It's uh, a blast as always. Thank Last you, one. man. Yep, take care.
Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post pay per view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all, ad free access to our website, and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form. It's mobile friendly, desktop friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT 8 Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. We're now on Patreon. That's right, you can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts and post shows and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP after shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller shows and Daily Casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue. 
on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled Vince Russo is from Outer Space and Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of Racist Gimmicks and Poverty Pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk, with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue, features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN, and a potential shift of ECW, also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99. I launched the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter as a teenager in high school in the late 80s, and I've been covering professional wrestling ever since. It's been my full-time job since the day I graduated college. And I've followed every technology along the way and tried to be on the cutting edge and One of them has been podcasting. We were doing podcasts before the word podcast was a word. They were just called audio shows for our subscribers. And a cool feature that we introduced last year are flashback Saturday night editions of the Wade Keller Hotline, where every Saturday night we post Wade Keller Hotlines all in one file, a week's worth of shows from 10 and 15 years ago. That means uh, you can listen to what I was saying about the news, about Raw, about SmackDown, about TNA, about WrestleMania hype, WrestleMania fallout, controversies, firings, matches that almost happened and why they didn't happen. Every weekend on Saturday night from 10 and 15 years ago. For instance, the April 6, 2006 Wade Keller Hotline had a ton of insider news on the Hulk Hogan-Steve Austin dynamic at the WWE Hall of Fame 
and the prospects of a Hogan versus Austin match, and how close it came to happening at WrestleMania 22, what stood in its way, and what the prospects were of it happening in the future, why Steve Austin said what he said about Hulk Hogan at the Hall of Fame during his Bret Hart intro, and what the backstage interaction was between the two of them. That's just one example of some of the fascinating reporting that was going on, likely before you were listening to some of my free podcasts here. So uh, go VIP. It's one of many, many cool benefits that come with a VIP membership. Get details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. All right, forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want. As much as you want. Audible is a perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com slash wade. That's audible.com slash wade. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PWTorch DailyCast lineup. Just search PWTorch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. If you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of a good story. And if you're looking for a good story, look no further than Stories of Your and Yours. 
I'm Sean Ennis, and on every episode of Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic or listener-submitted short story, adding music and sound effects to bring the story new flavor. I featured authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and many more. So don't wait any longer. Download Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and Yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, today. And if you want to hear clips and get more information, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SYY Podcast. That's Stories of Your and Yours, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>